Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 146 of the MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the favorable matchup to my Patty Pimblet, Nick Bloody Blabraccia. What do you think about Bloody Nick as a nickname for you? Does nah, that work? I don't No, Not a fan. Not not impressed? I just feel like it just rolls yeah. off the tongue. And I feel like John Braccia is, you know, it's not very exciting. Uh, Nick, mildly irritated. <laughs> Bra- or Nick, completely non-threatening. Braccia. Or Nick, a little know. bit hangry. Braccia. Nick, he needs to lose 20 pounds. Jeez, we're, anyway. we're just gonna get into all of your insecurities right now. Is that the goal? Because I'm into it. I'm I'm a game for this, Nick. So, so Nick, I break your nose, but I don't want to fix it. What's up? <laughs> you wouldn't have to fix it. It's been broken multiple times, fella, multiple times. And you know what, Nick? Like you always say, I must have done it for the street cred. Nick, we've got a couple of cards to speak about. We're going to break down UFC Fight Night Blades versus Aspinall. This is in London, Nikolai. So this is going to be a capacity crowd. It's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Pretty solid fucking card, right? Now that we're not getting all these Vegas cards in front of uh, 16 of Dana White's closest friends, we've got some pretty fucking stacked cards, and I'm very, very much into that. And then we're going to talk briefly at the very end about UFC and ABC3. Ortega versus Rodriguez, a pretty solid overall card. A little bit of an anticlimactic ending, which which we can kind of get into later. Nick, you, you actually picked up two points on me. Congratulations, fella. Instead of leading by 15 and a half points, I'm now only leading by 13 and a half points. So it's basically the equivalent of landing a jab against George St. Pierre in the fourth round after he's dominated you for three and a half rounds. Well, it's a good, it's a good thing I've got about, um, you know, 20 more rounds because I'm not done yet. I didn't realize I had gotten that far behind, but, um, uh, we'll see. We'll see if I can bring it closer. You do have plenty of time, especially with the UFC. I really, honestly, the vast majority of my points were lost across three cards. Like there were three cards where I just completely shit the bed. Yeah. It it, it happened. I mean, I don't know if it was five points for three cards, but you're right. It was like three of those cards where I probably gained like four points, four or five points. And then there were each. Yeah. yeah, Probably three to four points. And then there were several cards in which I gained uh, one to two points on you. Uh, And that all adds up, Nikolai. Being right most of the time, it tends to add up at the end of the day. And and keeping track of this certainly helps me make that argument. Nikolai, let's... I don't like like you, but go ahead. I actually think you have a little bit of a soft spot for me, deep, deep inside of your heart, Nick. Nothing? Nope. Nope, just fuck you. Let's go. No, I want to pick. I got first pick. You you do have first pick, Nick. Go for it. Do I definitely have first pick? Um, Because I feel now I want it no matter what, but I can't remember. You know what, Nick? You need it. You're 13 and a half points down. No matter what. No, I don't want to I don't want to need it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you have the first pick this week, buddy. Go for it. What did you take last week? As my first pick? (laughs) Yeah. Let me quickly see here. I'm assuming it was a fantastic pick given my track record. Let me see. My first pick was Amanda Lemos, who submitted Michelle Waterson, Nikolai. Finished her. And Michelle Waterson hadn't been finished at least in years. I don't know if she's ever been finished, to be honest. Um, listen, I think there's a lot of potential first picks here, but one really... Their, their last card in London in March was like a big card. It was about, you know, I think it was their best card of the year. Um, from, a, from a fiscal perspective, it was a big success. It was just a hot event. Um, and the fights were, were okay, but... They give, they do, I think, give the UK fighters some favorable matchups here, and here is one of them. We've got Nathaniel Wood, 
who hasn't fought in like a year and a half since he had a very competitive, really good fight with uh, contender um, uh, Casey Kenny. And he's, I guess he's, he's moving up, right? I'm moving up a so he's This fight's at 145, it looks like. Yeah, that would be a move up for Nathaniel. Actually, I didn't and it's a move, And it's a move down for Charles Rosa. That is an interesting little tidbit there, Nick. Nathaniel Wood fighting bigger, a bigger man, uh, a, maybe a notably bigger man in this matchup. That changes the dynamic a little bit for me. Oh, well, hang on a second. Is he... Wait a minute. You know what, Nick? No, no, no. I'm, I'm I, glad. Rosa, Rosa fights at 145. Rosa's not at 155. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I'm also glad that you're doing your research like live on the air, Nick, because that that is. What well, I'm you didn't. About. You didn't. Hey, listen. You didn't know that 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 Nathaniel Wood was moving up. I did not notice that. I wonder if that's a permanent change or if that is just kind of him taking an opportunity in London because it's hard to resist against you know a journeyman that's beatable. Yeah, because Casey Kenny fights at. Oh no! Wait, I thought Casey Kenny was a flyweight. Uh, he's a 135er. Oh, and Dodson's done both. All right, so maybe this... <laughs> Listen, regardless, <laughs> you should probably clean some of this up already. Uh, I'm going to take Nathaniel Wood. He's, he's, a, he's just a strong all-around fighter, and Charles Rosa's got, you know, fine jiu-jitsu. I don't think he's going to tap out uh, Nathaniel Wood. I'm not convinced he can get Nathaniel Wood to the ground. And I don't feel like his, uh, like his offense has a lot of sting on it, so... I just, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not a guy who's had a ton of success uh, in the UFC. Couple, you know, well, he did somehow win a, lose a split decision to Yair Rodriguez, but that was very early Yair. Um, and he beat Kyle Botniak, who had that, I think if I recall, had that really interesting fight against the beat uh, 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 Magomed Sharipov, who's now retired. But this is, I think, I think this is as close as you can get to a, a UFC showcase fight. Uh, you know, for Nathaniel Wood, and I'm picking him to win. Yeah, I think with Wood being one and two in his last three fights, and him being a serious prospect, this fight being against really top guys, though, against very top Casey guys. Kenny and John, John Dotson, definitely some high level opposition there. And yeah, I mean, th this is a gimme fight for him. Charles Rosa, you know, he he'll stick around. He's hard to finish for the most part, right? But and and particularly by submission, even though he gets caught in all kinds of submissions, being a BJJ black belt, but that's the thing. He ends up on his back often enough. He doesn't have enough fire prior standing, even though he has some technique there. I think Nathaniel Wood's pressure is going to be overwhelming. He lands so many strikes, per, uh, so many more strikes per minute. Uh, in fact, he lands more than twice as many strikes per minute, Nick. 6.28 uh, to 3.05 for Rosa. He has higher accuracy considering that. That's kind of insane. He, he gets landed on just slightly more than does Charles Rosa, even though Nathaniel Wood has fought overall higher level of competition. So uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I see no reason why Charles Rosa is going to be able to take, get takedowns. Nathaniel Wood's um, takedown defense is really solid. His takedown offense is decent, but I think more importantly, Charles Rosa's takedown defense sucks. And once he's on his back, he just keeps trying for submissions and, and doesn't do a thing. He's been alternating wins and losses forever now, and he's broken that streak Nick with two losses in a row, and I expect this is going to be his third. So I think I think you're making the right pick uh, pretty early on in the competition here. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Mohamed Makayev and Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson is actually like pretty big underdog here, but the guy has some craft. The guy has some skill. He's got a lot of five round experience. He's a LFA flyweight champion, right? So he's the kind of guy who 
like he's consistent. He's got good striking. He can be grappled and taken down. He'll get up back back up to his feet. But Makayev is not the kind of guy to disengage. Even if you do get up once he takes you down, he's going to hold on to you, right? He has that option anyway. And outside of that, Makayev is probably going to have a little bit more dy- uh, dynamism standing, even though in this matchup, Johnson has pretty solid stand-up skills. He's the type of guy that, you know, he's pretty patient. He's pretty consistent. Um, his conditioning is solid, right? Once he hurts you, man, he puts it on. He's in a flow. I don't expect that he's likely to hurt Makayev. I know Makayev is only like 6-0 and in the pros, but the guy's got a lot of amateur experience, and I, I think that's going to come through here. By the way, Johnson, also plenty of like plenty of experience overall. The guy's 11-2, and and he's got, I'm looking at uh, six amateur fights here as well. Um, I just don't think he's a world beater. Um, he, he's good. At, like I think Makayev is good enough to, beat the LF, to be the LFA champion. Um, you know, he's being looked at as a prospect for being top five in the next year or so. So I think this is a favorable matchup for him. And, and I think he's going to do well against Charles Johnson, who's going to put up a good fight and, and probably make it to a decision. Maybe a Makayev by decision prop is something worth looking at betting wise, by the way. Makayev first dad. Cool. I'm going to go with, again, I'm just leaning into the, the way they're booking shit here. Um, Hannah Goldie, very uh, nice-looking young woman. I think she won in the Contender Series and then has one win uh, since against Emily Whitmire, who's also kind of down, uh, you know, down the ranks. Molly McCann at flyweight uh, has had has had a little bit more success. She's still, you know, wouldn't say she's got uh, you know signature victories against contenders. She's knocked off some of the. Um, some of the women lower down the list and had some had some exciting fights, but I think this is I think this is a favorable matchup for her and that her stri- her striking, uh, you know her striking should be enough to keep Hannah Goldie at bay over three rounds. Yeah, Hannah Goldie is predominantly a striker. Um, you know, like likes to use lateral footwork, doesn't really like to engage a whole lot. Just kind of circles on the outside, and Molly McCann's gonna pressure forward. She's gonna throw big strikes. I could see, by the way, Molly McCann given her kind of recent rise up in fame after that win over um, uh, uh, Luana Carolina by spinning back elbow. I could see her uh, like being in party mode lately, right? Maybe she's not as focused. Maybe she's not spending it as much time in the gym. What makes you? Where you got that from? Uh, I'm just saying, like, given her personality traits, you don't, you can't see the prospect of her doing just a shitload of partying. After the level, I mean the way that the way that Patty the way that I mean like you mean like the way that Patty Pimblet becomes Daniel Cormier between fights, kind of like that, yeah. Except she's wilder, man. She's and she's just like she's a wild human being. Um, so look, uh, like as long as she's still focused, she should win this fight because Hannah Goldie doesn't really have, in my opinion, a whole lot of potential. There's a chance she could outstrike her at a distance if Molly McCann is out of shape and, and not training hard. But uh, you know, I, I'm not going to bet on that. I do think Molly McCann. Like, anytime you put Molly McCann at minus 390, that's fucking crazy talk. And Hannah Goldie's probably worth, like, literally a $10 bet by decision just because just because certainly crazier things have happened in women's MMA. Matchups tend to be very, very close and competitive there. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Mark Diakasi and Demir Hadzovic. Hadzovic is a decent striker. Terrible takedown defense, not a very good ground game at all. And Mark Dacassi's shown development in his game. As much as he entered the UFC kind of throwing a bunch of fancy strikes and and doing, you know, like really seemingly lacking the fundamentals, he's picked up on some of those fundamentals. As much as he's not so great against pressure fighters, he's figured out a way to pressure when he needs to as well. I know that he's 1-2 in his last three, but he is coming off of that uh, win as an underdog over uh, Vyacheslav Boroshev. 
Uh, took him down, man. Showed uh, another new wrinkle in his game. To be fair, we've seen his wrestling prior to that. And Demir Hazlevic has terrible takedown defense. Outside of that, I think even if it's standing, Mark Tayakasi probably has the edge. He's a taller man. He's the more dynamic man. He's got more power. I think he's going to be able to see Demir's offense coming, uh, being being the notably faster man. So I like Mark Tayakasi here, especially in his home country. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with you on the pick. I think it's a strong pick, and that was going to be my next one. I, I like uh, I like Mason Jones with his with his mixed game. Um, I think Jones is going to be a little smarter and more patient here than he was with David um, Onama. Yes. Um, uh, against Ludovic Klein. Ludovic Klein's very kickboxer. Um, he did push. He did pressure better um, in his in his last fight instead of just kind of like waiting and po- and point fighting or waiting for the perfect uh, kick. But I think. I think he's going to run into a bit of a brick wall against Mason Jones, who's going to be in his face, who's going to be who's going to be throwing back, and who I think is much much stronger uh, in the pocket than than Klein's going to be. I don't see Mason Jones spending much time in uh, in like in kicking range uh, in this fight. I, th- I think that he's going to I think he's going to get in and be able to land on Klein or be able to rough him up up against the cage. So you were talking about how Mason Jones might be more patient. I actually think his strength. I didn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. How Mason Jones might be more patient in this matchup. I didn't he, say. No. I didn't say he was. Oh, I no. I didn't say he was more. Did I said he was more patient? Yeah. What are you? What are you fighting here, dude? Just let me. Jeez, Louise, let me talk, Nikolai. Okay. Uh, you were saying <laughs> that, he, that, that he might be a little more patient than he was uh, in this matchup than he was against Onama. I don't know. I feel like his strength is his his like he's a swarmer. He just throws an incredible yes. number of strikes per minute and just wants to get you out of there. The problem with that is that there's major risk, right? You're going to get uh, you're going to get hit if you do that. As we saw, he's got 6.71 strikes landed per minute, but 5.59 strikes taken, right? So he's taken almost as much as he's landed. Um, he's a swarmer, man. He'll just keep throwing offense, and it's not just strikes, man. He will throw hands. He will throw occasional kicks. He will go for takedowns. He's a consistent takedown machine. He will just keep mm-hmm. shooting again and again and again. His takedown average per 15 minutes in the UFC, 4.43, Nick. That is very, very high. Um, and and I, considering he's got this high strike rate, and the thing about Ludovic Klein, I think these odds, first of all, are kind of insane, Nick. Like, They're kind of insane. Like, I agree Ludovic with that. is getting disrespected. This matchup, by the way, was booked in the last like week, Nick. Both of these guys were uh, scheduled. Ludovic Klein had an opponent um, ready for, I think, the 30th. Uh, and then and then um, Mason Jones was training, I think, also for the 30th, but without an opponent in mind, which is fascinating, right? The kind of mindset that it takes to work your ass off without having a bout kind of official. Um, but they booked them you know, a little bit earlier. I think their goal was to get Mason Jones on this London card given that he's a UK fighter. Um, here's the thing. Mason Jones pressures. Ludovic Klein needs to set his feet. He likes to have his distance. He likes to have his space. And then he likes to explode from there with a with a couple of punches leading into that head kick, right? That's kind of his go-to. Uh, you were talking about how he was pressuring a little bit more in that last matchup against Devontae Smith. And the reason is because Devontae Smith gave him the room to do that for the most part. He kept it at kicking range. Even when Devontae was aggressive, it was with consistent right kicks. It wasn't with just like kind of closing the distance and taking away... Um, Klein's ability to set his feet so he can throw that kick. Klein's ability to just like have the space to just explode with the jab cross leading it to the head kick. Um, and another element of this is that Mason Jones just coming off of fighting uh, another southpaw, who's a pretty good fighter in Onama, right? Onama, who made a super short notice debut, came up in weight. I think there's there's like a huge, huge odds disparity here. So Ludovic Klein might be worth considering as an underdog play. 
But just the fact that he has way lower output, the fact that, uh, let me see, Ludovic Klein lands 3.58 strikes per minute, and Mason Jones lands 6.71. Now, Ludovic Klein still gets hit plenty. He's got 4.22 strikes landed on him, so which is higher than he lands. So that's a bit of a concern there. His takedown defense is pretty solid at 80%, but Mason Jones is going to keep shooting. He's going to make that a factor, which might should make his strikes more landable as well. The thing is that Mason Jones is hittable. Ludovic Klein is a knockout artist, right? So there's a decent chance that Klein just counters him and shuts his lights off. But... He's not as good on the counter as he is offensively. This is a matchup that I'm very excited about, so I did some research for it, Nick. As you can tell, uh, this one should be super, super fucking fun to watch. Even if it's one side, yeah. it should be fun to watch. This is a fight. This is a fight. Yeah, this is like the fight. So, one of the, there's a couple of fight fans fights in this card, but this is one of them. This is certainly one of them. So as much as I agree with you on, uh, like I agree with you on the pick, it's not not at the level that these odds are. Like this is super disrespectful to Ludovic Klein, and I would consider. Uh, I think uh, would Klein get you three points? Let me see the odds quickly. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. No, no, he's he's short of three points. Um, no, that's sorry, that's Jordan Levitt who's short of three points. Where's Ludovic Klein? For some reason, I'm not seeing odds for this card. Uh, there um, is. Yeah, I, he would. He would net you three points. Yeah, that's I would, what I said. I would consider. Yeah, you, you're right. I, I would consider that, Nick. Um, my no. answer to Mason Jones given the style match. I don't. I just don't think. I don't know. I don't. I am. I. I'm not. <sighs> He'd have he'd have to land a miracle head kick and and it would have to put Jones down. I just don't I don't know I just don't see it. Uh, I don't think I don't think miracle is fair. The guy like the guy knocks people out and he hurts people all the time. So I don't know if it would be a miracle. Yeah, I just don't I just don't pick on I just don't pick on the puncher or kicker's chance. No, I, I hear that. that. That's fair. Uh, and, and just for the record, um, what's his name? Uh, Klein was training for Ignacio Bohemandes, who's like a high output pressure fighter as well. Granted, more of a kick base fighter. So. He, on paper, was ready for a pressure fighter, whereas Jones didn't have an opponent at all. Although he does apply the same kind of game to everyone. So, look, I think there's a potentially three-point opportunity here, but all else being the same, I am favoring Jones given the style matchup. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Nikita Krylov and Alexander Gustafsson. It's hard to... will you pick? It's hard to trust Alexander Gustafsson at this point in his career. We've seen him come back recently, and he's looked kind of shitty. And as much as Nikita Krylov used to just throw 100 million strikes and takedowns in the first three or four minutes and then get exhausted, he's been he's put his game uh, like together a little bit more lately. Yes, he lost to Paul Gregg by round one submission, but a lot of a lot of people lose to him by submission if you're willing to be in his guard. So his uh, MMA IQ is concerning. I don't disagree, but coming off a loss to Craig and Ankalaev, not like crazy amount to be ashamed of right and then alexander gustafson who's been looking really rough he's been out of the game he's retired well it's been two years he fought heavyweight in two years and it's been almost uh yeah it's been three years since he fought at light heavyweight right but but the and, and you're right him making weight for this is actually an interesting dynamic that i'm curious to watch and maybe him making weight is going to get him to be in shape because he was not in shape against fabricio verdum he was not ready mentally or physically the thing is that once a fighter retires, man, once a fighter retires, not because they they just feel like doing something else, but because they feel like they've lost and it's tough times and never going to reach the top again, like Misha Tate, Nick, um, they're never the same. And I don't expect that yeah. Gustafson's going to be the same. I'm probably picking him a little bit too early here, but I'm going to take Nikita Krilov, who I think is just, you know, actually in his prime and at his best, even though he's coming off of a couple losses versus Gustafson, who just is in a rut and not in a good place as far as I can tell. Probably picking this one. Yeah, too, right? I'd love, I'd, 
I'd love to see, you know, it's just, there's a lot of mystery there, but it's been five years since Gus's last amazing performance, which was against, you know, now former champ Glover Teixeira, right. where he just looked incredible. But then he had to wait a year and a half to fight John Jones a second time, and he did not have it in that fight. Then he had that, that disappointing performance against Anthony Smith, where I think he underestimated Smith. Um, yeah, I don't know what's, go, what's going on for him, but if he shows up at even... 75% of his former self, I think he should be able to piece up Nikita Krylov, but I just don't, you know, we don't know. I can't count on that. Based on what we've seen, it, it really is hard to rely on that. I'm going to quickly take a look at his Instagram to see if there's any signs of the kind of shape that he's in. Uh, dude, he's he's got abs. He looks in shape. He looks maybe in the best shape of his life, training with Vulcan Ozdemir. You know, maybe I made this pick too soon. There's a picture of him and Kamzat from a, from three weeks ago, and he still looks in shape. He's got a bit of a black eye. He's been training his ass off. There's a good chance he's he's in a good place here. I probably made this pick too soon, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with it for now, and maybe I'll turn it into an underdog pick if if for some reason I, I feel like I'm getting good vibes from him later in the week. What's your next one, buddy? Oh boy, do I do it now? Is the question. Go for it, buddy. Go for it. You've got it. Um. God, I always there's always guys I have soft spots for, and while I, well, I like Paul Craig, uh, quite a bit. I think Volkan Ozdemir is a tough matchup for him. Um, I've always liked Ozdemir, uh, and I think he's got a I think he's got a strong game from distance. I think he's got I think he's got really good kicks and pretty good movement, and one of the hardest things for him is he gets tired when he's in those fights against guys who are who are really pressuring hard um and he can run out of gas and become susceptible and i that's generally not what what paul craig does paul craig seems to take advantage of um of mistakes of fighters who are already tired of scrambles i think vulcan ostomir is gonna i think this fight's gonna be kind of boring but i could see him uh really preventing craig from getting his secret weapon in there um, and kind of playing it and playing it a little bit safe. It may be frustrating, Craig, but I think Ozdemir is the better boxer um, and certainly the better kicker and should be able uh, to land on Craig as he comes in. If and when it does hit the ground, I think Vulcan's strong enough and savvy enough to get, unless he's exhausted, again, I don't think he's going to get that tired in this matchup, he should be able to escape trouble. I think we're going to see a cautious Vulcan Ozdemir pick up a fairly tepid 30-27. I think I'm going to disagree on this one. I'm done under, underestimating Paul Craig. The guy has shown time and again that that he is probably going to come through in these matchups where he's an underdog. He's less of an underdog in this one, to be fair. He comes through almost every goddamn time. He's a slightly taller man in this matchup. He lands way less strikes per minute, but he's more of a takedown spammer. He's more of a grappler, right? Whether he's, he's in top or bottom position. He now is uh, has not lost in five fights in a row, Nick. That's pretty damn impressive. Going up against the guy who's two uh, or three in light heavyweight. Uh, oh, that's bull. That's a bull. I call bullshit a bullshit statistic, man. It's bullshit Why? news. What do you mean? Which, which because two of the... Two of those fights are two fights against Shogun and a uh, uh, Jamal Hill, who's who's still you know a bit inexperienced, and yeah, he caught he caught Krylov, but we're not that you know we're we're three years since he got uh, knocked out by Menafield, but if you look at who Ozdemir's been fighting, like Reyes, Anthony Smith, Raychik, 
Jiri Prochaska on Klyev. Like he's he's only fighting apps like guys who are one fight who are getting title fights or one fight away from title fights. That like Ozdemir in the last three or four years has only fought the most elite light heavyweights. Like I think he's. I think we've forgotten how good he is. I think we've forgotten how close the Dominic Reyes fight was. Um, and if we've he, also if seen Dominic showed, Reyes since then, right? Against, I mean, against two champions, we saw him beat John Jones and, and uh, get knocked out by uh, by Jan Blahovich. Yeah, we've seen, we we've only seen Dominic Reyes. Wait, wait a minute, and you choose your head for a minute, Stanislav. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've only seen the man lose to the people who have held the light heavyweight title in the last ten years. That is true. Except for like Clover, like it's, there's there's levels to this thing. No, there is, but man, he lost in devastating fashion these last two times, Nick. Devastating. He, he um, did, but he but he was he was fighting his ass off against Prochaska. It's like he. You know, I think Ray. I think Reyes's problem is he. I think he ends up fighting emotionally a little bit. I don't know that he's able to hang on to the strategy that well. I suppose he did against John Jones, but since then, anyway. Point being, that was a really good Dominic Reyes that Ozdemir fought, and I think um, I just I just think we're sleeping on on what a contender this guy was before he got put through the gauntlet. And if his head is still there, and if he wants to make a surge and not just pick up a paycheck, I believe he has the tools to not get submitted by Paul Craig. And I think that not getting submitted by Paul Craig for a, a striker of his ability means winning a decision against Paul Craig. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a there's a chance he can there's a chance he can uh, stick around here. Uh, I just feel like he does tend to get tired, especially against an opponent that's trying to put it on him. I think standing up, Vulcan has the edge, depending on you know as long as he's in a good place. Paul Craig has made improvements there. He's got a really good double leg. Paul Craig does, and that double leg should be about as strong in the third round as it is in the first. I'm not sure that Vulcan will be. Can Vulcan finish him early? I don't think that's likely. Even though it is possible, the guy has shown power way earlier in his UFC career, and way earlier in his UFC career, Craig has been finished. So, look, I, I, it's it's a hard fight to be confident in either way. I just feel like I'm going to favor the momentum over the kind didn't, of inklings of a style zap, Didn't he zap Jiri a couple times? Sure, everybody does. Jiri throws yeah. 100 strikes per minute, and if you swing at any point toward in front of you, it's it's probably gonna land. At some points, it's gonna land, right? I'm just saying, I think he's got a, I think he's got a little pop. He does, no, he has he has some power. Like he's more, got more of a thudding power rather than because he's kind of slow. He's got more of a just like a most of the, most of the light heavyweights do have that that thudding power. Yeah, uh, no, no, it's it's true, and probably not a whole lot of light heavyweights with serious snaps to their to their punches. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm leading Paul Craig more because of momentum than the style matchup. But also the element of the style matchup that, favor, that favors uh, Paul Craig, in my mind at least, is that he's probably going to be uh, at a pretty good gas tank point late. Whereas Vulcan, I'm not as sure if it's a high-paced fight. Uh, so we'll see. We, we've also seen Paul Craig gas against yeah. Shogun, so it's possible. Uh, my yeah, next Vulcan's level. also over. I mean, he's, at one, he's favored 165. Paul Craig is almost a two-point pick. Almost, um, but not plus, quite. He's, yeah. pl- he's plus 140, which is surprising. I do think it's closer than that. Anyway, yeah. what do you got? Yeah, he's, he's the eternal underdog, and no matter how many w- of these wins he gets, he's always the goddamn underdog, which is why I'm done uh, I'm, I'm done fading him. Um, I'm going to pick Jonathan Pierce to beat Maquan Armikani. As much as Maquan Armikani can catch Pierce early, Pierce is not a fast starter, as most pressure fighters are not, right? Pierce 
got starched by uh, Joe Lazon in his UFC debut, who is a fast starter. Maquana McCartney is a fast starter. He can get that submission. He can get that takedown early. Uh, that 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 I believe it's the Darsh choke that he's an expert at. Um, but I think Jonathan Beers is going to put it on him. He's going to make it through a few minutes and then just put the kind of numbers on him where Maquana is not going to want to be there anymore. Maquana might be lucky to make it to a decision if he doesn't finish in the first six or seven minutes. You just hate Mr. Finland, man. I don't. Um, I don't. I actually saw some. Uh, I saw some potential in him early in his UFC career, but he's shown a consistency. If, if he doesn't get you out of there early, and you're like a pretty solid fighter, you're going to take over and dominate in the second half of the fight. Um, I'm going to take a look at the at the main event here, and this is a um, this is a real moment of truth for Tom Aspinall. The guy has said he wants to take it slow, etc. But he beats Curtis Blades. He's you know he's really can hang out until he gets a title fight. Um, I think if he wants to keep, if he wants more fights, I'm sure they'll give, they'll give them to him. Um, but I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Aspinall here. I think he's going to, um, I think he's, I think his boxing is just, is really good. And he's going to be able to, to land probably like a one, two on blades. I think and, and put him down. I won't be surprised if it happens uh, if it happens early. If Blades gets on top, yeah, we're, we've got some trouble. But Asp, I, I'm not convinced Aspinall can't get out from under that. He's got really he's got good jujitsu. He's a strong guy. Um, I think especially early in the fight, he'll be he'll be able to uh, if he ends up in a tr- in a troubling position, get out from under. Um, and he's going to have that crowd behind him. He's just got incredible momentum. And Curtis Blades can't be feeling terrific about his chin. Yeah, I wouldn't be as confident in this matchup as you are. I wouldn't have picked it this early. This would have been, you know, one of my last couple of picks. I am, I guess I'm inching slightly toward Aspinall here, just maybe as much as the odds are. I just feel like Curtis Blades is lost to only two men, and one of those men he was dominating until he lost to him. Aspinall is a crisp boxer. He's extremely fast. He's offensively super talented, but he was getting a little bit pieced up by Andre Arlovsky, who's also a fast guy. Curtis Blades is a fast guy. He's a good striker, right? And he kind of, in the second round, decided, I am i didn't look so good in this round. I didn't like the way that felt against a fast athletic heavyweight with a lot of craft and experience. I'm going to take him down and submit him. Can he do that to Curtis Blades? No, probably not. If he can take down Curtis Blades, god damn, we've got an incredible prospect at heavyweight. Um, I don't know that he can, though. And so, like, Tom, there's a chance that Curtis Blades is is going to be the better striker in this matchup. There is a chance, given really, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't I'm think also, so. But okay, I'm also not confident that Tom Aspinall, as much as he has a really good top game, I'm not confident in his bottom game uh, under Curtis Blades, who's not one to get caught. He's one to get knocked out on the counter. Um, Tom Aspinall, more of an offensive striker, less of a counter striker, even though he's got skills there as well. So you know, if if if, if the odds were a little bit further apart, I'd take Curtis Blades as a two point pick easily. I'm inching slightly toward Aspinall. Just because he seems like he could be a golden prospect. There's those losses earlier in his career that still concern me. I faded him a couple times earlier in his UFC career for that reason. Um, and his trouble that he had against Andre Arlovsky, I know that he ran through Volkov, but man, the other Ruski, you know, he put it on him a little bit in that first round. I mean, round. you know that one of, one of those losses was a 12-6 to 6 elbow DQ. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's that's fine. Uh, and then the other loss was was like to who, right? And then it was it was a, it was a it was a heel hook in his fourth in his fourth fight in right. Bama. So so like on the ground. Granted, his fourth fight. What year was that? Right on the ground, he lost. Whereas Curtis Blades has only lost to two men, and one of them is Francis Ngannou. 
and the other guy who was dominating Derek yeah, it was Lewis. Seven, it was seven ago. years ago. Okay, a fairly long time ago, and he's earned his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt since he was again. Tw- yeah, he was 22. Yeah. Really, really good top game by Aspinall. I'm, I have concerns about his bottom game. So I, I think there's plenty of reasons to... Uh, there's some reason to fade Aspinall here. I'm banking on the fact that he's a golden prospect. I'm really glad this is a five-round fight. There's some concern about the fact that Aspinall wanted a slow roll-up, and he's getting these sharks. Yeah, he ran through Volkov. What, how will he do when he gets serious resistance against the guy that he can't just take down and submit? That's the question. I'm very intrigued by this matchup. I think Curtis Blades is an underrated striker. He always has been. Um, and he, he's got speed. He's got power on him, too. So this should be interesting. But you're right. Curtis Blades has been clipped. If they're exchanging and Tom Aspinall lands a right hand, uh, a left hook, possibly, I could see Curtis Blades dropping and, and Aspinall uh, kind of clubbing and subbing him, possibly finishing him with ground to pound from top position. So edging ever so slightly toward Tom Aspinall, but not nearly as sure. There, there are a few fights that I would have picked over this one. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Claudio Silva and Nicholas Dalby. I've always liked Nicholas Dalby. He's like the little engine that could, you know, he'll lose the first round against the more dynamic, athletic guy, and then he'll just just keep trying, keep trying until he starts to take over the fight, and, and just his will will, will push him through. He's in solid shape. Um, watched out of the UFC a couple years ago because he was dealing with alcoholism, uh, possibly possibly drug abuse as well, I'm not sure. Um, and Claudio Silva, who's you know was 5-0 in the UFC initially, right? Um, over the course of five goddamn years against some pretty good, pretty good fucking opposition. Yeah, win over Leon Edwards. Yeah, yeah. a split decision win, if I remember correctly, over Leon Edwards, right? Um, but he's looked very human lately. He, his conditioning he's, is not that great. He's 39. He's 39 I mean, yeah. So, yeah, that's a factor, too. His conditioning is not great. Um, he, he doesn't seem as dynamic or as athletic as he did when he made his UFC de- debut probably like eight years ago now, maybe more. Um, and, and he's shown that, like, his grappling is really the end-all, be-all of his game. I, I think Nicholas Dalby, at the very least, if he gets taken out early, can survive early, and then and then kind of start to start to take over from there. As long as this fight goes past five minutes, I think Nicholas Dalby pieces him up and and looks pretty good doing it. We've seen him get caught um, a couple times against Tim Means, but it wasn't on the ground; it was on the feet. And Claudio Silva doesn't have that kind of potential, so I like Dalby in this matchup. Cool. Um, I like Dalby also. Uh, I'm gonna go. You know, I, I kind of smell upset here, but like with like with Molly, um, I feel like losing in the UK is going to be a hard thing for Patty Pimblett to do. Um, He's only lost in the yeah. UK, for the record. Well, it's because it was, or you know what I mean. Um, not 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 as a UFC fighter. No, but he was a star in cage uh, in uh, cage warriors. Yeah. Is it? This is a this is a t- this is a tough one to pick, but I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the hometown guy, uh, Pimblet. I think he's stronger. I think he's probably a bit better of a striker. I think there's a there's like a zero chance that Jordan Levitt. Um, I don't think there's a very good chance that Jordan Levitt can hurt him on the feet. Um, pa- I mean, because Patty leaves his chin up, but I don't think Levitt's got that kind of pop. Um, and I think the jiu-jitsu battle will probably be nullified. Um, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pimblet here, who's a, a a pretty a heavier a heavier favorite than he probably should be. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on the Pimblet pick, even though like these odds are kind of tempting. Uh, maybe a bet the other way by decision on on Levitt might be something to consider because Pimblet he actually hits pretty hard. Not great defense standing. Doesn't have awesome wrestling. Um, that that dynamic of the matchup interests me. But this is really a setup matchup, right? They're giving him a grappler who doesn't pose much of a danger standing, uh, a smaller man. 
a man who has less experience, right? Like they, they are trying to set him up here for a win. I think the crowd will help to kind of bolster him and, and, and make him feel invincible in there. Um, and if he has a rough moment or two, he'll just throw one of his 18-shot combos and possibly hurt Levitt. Um, so I agree with you on the pick. I just feel like the odds are a little too wide apart here, given given that these guys have very similar strengths and weaknesses. Um, also, the Patty, you know, the way Patty didn't fight that long ago, and he was he was enormous. The, the way he balloons up between fights does concern right, me. Right. That, 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 you would that know more. You would know more about the physiology there than I would. It's just like they eat the giant sandwiches and the ice cream, and look looking seriously like he gains fifty pounds within within weeks of right, his fights right, is yeah. disconcerting. I mean, him being young is, is going to help him for the time being, but eventually that's going to be an issue. He can't keep doing this forever. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I just feel like Patty Pimblett should have the edge. He's got a little more dynamism standing. He's got more experience. And on the ground, even if Levitt's on top. By the way, if Levitt's on top, he's going to be winning this fight. I don't expect that Patty Pimblett, like, he's a good top position grappler. He's not great from his back. He's not defensively awesome anywhere, really. He's, his takedown defense isn't awesome. His his uh, uh, bottom game isn't awesome. And his, his striking defense isn't awesome, as you alluded to, his high chin and all that. So, look, there's some serious holes in this guy. And, and I think he's got way higher aspirations than his potential will allow him to go. But Jordan Levitt is not on that kind of upper level. I think this is a winnable fight for him that... Also, a losable fight for him. So, again, given the odds, it's crazy. But the fact that he's at home, I think, is going to be a factor here as well. That, that crowd's going to uh, rile him up. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Chris Curtis and Jack Hermanson. Um, I think Chris Curtis has had plenty of practice fighting okay strikers who really need to grapple. He's got really solid takedown defense. Chris Curtis does. Very patient uh, counter game standing. Really, really high-level shit standing, man. He, some of the shit, the, the, the body attacks, especially against the grappler. Granted, Jack Hermans is not one to gas out and get tired, right? He's going to be trying in that third round harder than he was in the first. Um, and Chris Curtis is not necessarily the fastest starter, right? So both of these guys take a little while to get going. I could see, like, whoever picks up early momentum might just end up running away with it. That could be Hermanson here. The guy's got so much experience. Um, and, you know, he's not, he doesn't have as many holes in his game as does Chris Curtis's last opponent, who was almost exclusively a grappler. Um, I, I just feel like Chris Curtis is going to be the more dynamic, the harder hitter standing. I think he's going to put Hermanson in some trouble. He's got, Chris Curtis got the potential to be in that top 10 range, and this is the fight to put him there. Um, I do have concerns about Chris Curtis's size, right? Jack Hermanson is a tall guy for middleweight. Chris Curtis should be fighting at welterweight. He's just choosing not to cut as much weight. Um, and Jack Hermanson didn't have to travel nearly as far to get to London for this card uh, as Chris Curtis did. So there are some concerns, but I like Chris Curtis in this matchup. I think he's used to fighting grapplers that need a takedown, um, and he's able to put some fucking numbers on people like that. Brendan Allen was another one, right? A guy that needs a takedown, even though he's okay standing and he's he's busy standing. Um, Chris Curtis took care of business. I expect that he should be able to do that here. Uh, I would expect by decision, because Jack Hermanson is hard to finish unless you hurt him badly and, and get into top position. Well, Curtis does have that, you know, does have that potential. All right. Um... I, I agree. Do you on agree the with pick. the pick? Like, yeah. yeah, and I like I like the Chris Curtis story. Uh, I'm gonna go with another another UK guy. I think Jay Herbert is getting uh, a fairly favorable matchup here. Kyle Nelson doesn't. Uh, Jay Herbert's got an iffy chin. Uh, Kyle Nelson's not the kind of guy um, uh, who I, I think is gonna be able to find that chin and do a lot of do a lot of damage. Um, I think Herbert should be able to style a bit, and I'm surprised we didn't pick this one earlier unless you know something about Kyle Nelson that I don't. Um, <coughs> but I'm going to go with the hometown boy, Jay Herbert, to uh, you know get a lot of wins for the UK up on the board. I'll say that if Kyle Nelson was a plus 250 underdog, I would have been on that all day because he's a fast starter, he's a good grappler, he's got serious power in his hands early. The problem is he gasses out, and then everything falls apart. 
Jay Herbert doesn't have a great chin. He doesn't have a great ground game. He can be taken down. He can be controlled uh, uh, from the opposition. So the dynamics are there. I just don't expect Kyle Nelson to be able to do it for three rounds, especially in the UK where Jay Herbert's going to presumably get some love. Uh, Jay Herbert, you know, knocked Ilya Teporia down badly. I mean, that would have been a knockout against almost everybody else with a huge head kick last time out. But then he got folded in the next round as as uh, Teporia kind of uh, caught himself down and decided to to uh, apply the right kind of pressure instead of being reckless. Um, I think Kyle Nelson can absolutely win this fight. I'm surprised it's not close to a pickup, to be honest. These odds are astronomical for Jay Herbert, who is not a successful UFC fighter. Granted, neither of these guys are. It should be a fucking pick'em. This is crazy talk, but um, there's a reason I didn't pick this early. I, I think these odds are absolutely crazy, in which case maybe maybe a bet on Kyle Nelson um, via finish is, is worth kind of throwing out there. Jay Herbert doesn't have a great chin, and he doesn't have a great grand game. Uh, and I think you'll have to get some pretty good odds on Kyle Nelson by finish. But um, having said that, yeah, Jay Herbert probably gets the edge. Um, he's going to be the taller man. He should be able to land strikes on Nelson at, at will standing for the most part. Um, especially after the first five minutes, I think Jay Herbert has more staying power than Kyle Nelson. He's just so undurable. It's insane. And Kyle Nelson doesn't have much heart uh, once his gas tank goes. So I just feel like once this goes past like the six-minute mark, Jay Herbert should have his way. It's just what happens in those first six minutes that's concerning. Uh, last matchup is between Victoria Leonardo and Mandy Bum. Uh, Mandy Bum's a slight favorite. I think I'm going to lean Leonardo because... Uh, all of her losses are to high-level opponents, and she has a wrestling edge in this one. Bum ended up on her back quite a bit. She got outstruck in her UFC debut versus Victoria Leonardo. Like decent offensive wrestling, right? This is where this is a matchup in which that can become a factor. She's not fighting like a high-level uh, opponent here, um, so I like Victoria Leonardo, the underdog, to uh, to make it past Mandy Bum in this matchup. And that's uh, that's everything. Yeah, do you have uh, any opinion on the Leonardo Mandy Bum matchup, Nick? The the most uh, kind of anticipated matchup of this card. You're picking you're picking Leonardo. Yeah, I am picking Leonardo. I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm I'll glad take, you're paying attention, Nick. I, I it's nine o'clock. I had to make <laughs> some adjustments because I have a meeting. But um, yeah, I I was. Um, I'm gonna go with Bum just to be against you. I like it, Nick. I like it. So we we disagree. I feel on good. The... I feel good. About... Uh-huh. Uh, we disagree about some stuff, but I feel good. Hey, I feel pretty good about my picks. I think I may get a clean sweep this this card. There's there's entirely likely you have Nathaniel Wood, you have Molly McCann. Your third pick was Mason Jones. Mason Jones, Ostemir, Aspinall, Pimblet. That's right. That's Her, right. I got the home. I got I got a lot of the hometown boys to be you, honest. You do, which which actually is, um, is is pretty powerful stuff. You you made pretty you made some pretty good judgment calls, really factoring Britain into this whole thing. Um, and uh, my picks were Mohamed Makayev, Mark Diakase. Uh, Makayev, who I believe trains out of London. Diakase is a London guy. Uh, my third pick was Nikita Krilov, who's not a local guy. That's a little bit risky, and I think I made it a little bit too early. I took Jonathan Pierce, who is, you know, traveling further uh, to get there than is Makwan Amrikani, who should have a little more support in that region. Nicholas Dalby, who, again, traveled closer, presumably. Chris Curtis I took. Um and let me see. My last pick was, of course, Victoria Leonardo. Yeah, it, you're you might have the edge in this one, Nick. And you know what? You need it, my friend. Thirteen and a half points down, brother. You got some making up to do. Indeed, but I will uh, next week. I will. Uh, I'm gonna pick up some points. I'm gonna pick up three points this week. I'm gonna pick up three next week, and I'm coming to get you. I like it, Nikolai. Do you have time? I know you have a meeting coming up. Do you have time for the Ortega I, Rodriguez? Uh, I don't. I'd love to, but if we would need to pick that up later. I'm, I'm late, and they're wondering where I am. I don't blame you, Nikolai. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good one in the books. Looking forward to meeting with you next yes, week. Yes, sir. We might I can't wait to watch this card. Me too, man. I'm All looking right. forward to it. Later, bud.